the name above all names, Jesus, truly worthy of it all. You are worthy of all glory, of all praise, of all honor. And we are thankful that we serve a God who, whose name is above it all. You are above all sickness, all disease. You are above all things that are hurtful and painful. And you are even above all things that are even good in this world. Because we know every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. We just say thank you, Jesus. Right where you're at, just say thank you, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all. We love you. And we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow, well, church, good to see you. You may be seated if you're not already seated there at home. I failed to mention a couple of other folks. Brian and your girls, hello. Hope you had a wonderful Easter. And Myra Henson and our Glare Youth want to say hi to you this morning, Myra. And all the others who are joining with us today, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Uh, at the end of our service, when I finish the message uh, here in about two hours, we booked two hours today, okay? Uh, I'm joking, I'm joking, uh, but Pastor Lindsay will be coming back up, and uh, she's going to remind us of a few things and the importance of staying connected to the church and how we can continue to give to our church, and so that the church's mission and the ministry of New Life Church can be flourishing even in a time that we're in right now. So I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles or your, your Bible apps, whatever you're using right now, to the Old Testament 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. You know, um, what we had planned for today was New Life Church was supposed to be celebrating its five-year anniversary. And uh, we still are celebrating. Uh, just uh, we're going to do it in a bigger way when we're able to come back together in person. So we're postponing that. Uh, but uh, we're, we, it's important. You got to celebrate five. You got to celebrate five. So we're going to do that. Um, but listen, I want to share with you uh, for a few minutes just a, a word that the Lord has has put on my heart uh, this week. He sh he just kind of shined some some light on some things out of His Word and uh, ministered to me. And I, I felt like uh, this was what I needed to sh take the time to share uh, with you as our church today and anyone else who may be watching. Uh, you should be there in 2 Kings. Before we go there, though, I want to take a moment and introduce a few other scriptures that kind of set the foundation for this message today. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31, out of the message translation. God says, Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine, Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. 
doesn't, call, doesn't pause to catch his breath. And he knows everything inside and out. And he energizes those who get tired. Gives fresh strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God will find fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. And jumping across to the New Testament, Paul to the Galatians in chapter 6, verse 9, he says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Do not grow weary while doing good. You know, while we're in this place of waiting things out, you know, it can kind of become monotonous in a way. We're told to stay home, told to stay distant, told to stay safe. And one of the things we need to remember to do, though, is that we stay spiritually fit. Spiritually fit. Because what can happen if, if we're not cautious is the devil can try to play tricks on our mind and get our thoughts to kind of wander to a place of deception. That's what he likes to do. But the scripture here in Isaiah 40 and Galatians 6 tell us to wait on the Lord, which provides fresh strength so that we won't grow weary in doing what is good. You know, I don't know about you all, but this last week I, I got tired. Uh, not, not necessarily physically tired, a little uh, but more so emotionally and spiritually tired. By Wednesday or Thursday, uh, I just felt a, kind of a heaviness and an oppression kind of come upon me. And um, I'm, I began to pray and, and talk to the Lord about it. And it, natural circumstances per, per se haven't, didn't change in my immediate vicinity, but but emotionally and spiritually, I could just feel this, this tug of war and this, this battle that just kind of set on me, kind of was trying to press down on me, and I was feeling spiritually fatigued. And so we, I just began to pray, and uh, by Friday morning when I, when I woke up, I uh, went, to, went to the Word and went to prayer, and I just felt a refreshing of God's grace. I don't, I don't say that to just, you know, to say that. I say that because it really did happen. And that's something God wants to do for each and every one of us. He has a special grace and a strength he wants to provide us so that we won't grow weary in doing what is good. And so the Bible here tells us to wait on the Lord. What does that exactly entail, to wait on the Lord? Some of the meaning into that means to trust in the Lord, to hope in the Lord, to expect him, to rely upon him, and to trust in the Lord. And when we wait on him, when we look to him, he gives us fresh strength. He gives us fresh strength. What, will we, what do we need this strength for exactly? To be able to keep on doing the good that God calls us to live out. You know, if we keep doing the good, there in Galatians it tells us, in due season... We will reap a harvest if we don't lose heart. 
what is this good that you and I need to keep continuing to do without becoming weary? That's a good question that I'm glad you asked. So we'll try to answer that question today uh, with a message that I've titled, Don't Grow Weary in Doing Good. Don't Grow Weary in Doing Good. I want to turn your attention now to the Old Testament story there in 2 Kings chapter 13. Just a, a short background on this, on this particular story, what's going on at this time. Elisha, the prophet, was dying. He was coming to the end of his time on earth. And Israel, God's people, the nation, was in, they were in ashes. The king at the time, King Jehoash, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he recognized, hey, things are not going good for us right now. Our nation is being oppressed. We aren't doing well. Things don't look that good. In fact, his army was next to nothing. They only had 50 charioteers, 10 chariots, and only 10,000 foot soldiers, which was really not really an army. That was next to nothing. And life for them was gloomy. It was kind of dark. It was oppressive because their enemy, Aram at the time, was oppressing them and doing a good job at it. And so King Jehoash visits Elisha, on his deathbed, so to speak, out of desperation. You could say the king was drawing close to the Lord. He was waiting on the Lord. And we pick up his, this story in verse 14 of chapter 13. It says, When Elisha was in his last illness, the king of Israel visited him. He wept over him, saying, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. He saw the end was coming for Elisha. And he said, Elisha told him, hey, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And then he commanded him, open the eastern window. And he opened it and then he said to shoot. Shoot that arrow. He shot the arrow and Elisha uh, said, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and he struck the ground three times. But the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. He said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and he was buried. Interesting story. But this story, I think, really illuminates a, a biblical principle that, that we can have and put into practice in our day and time, in our life, particularly right now. He said, take that arrow, the first arrow, and, and shoot it and you could say that Elisha was letting the king know, hey, you're drawing close to the Lord. The Lord wants you to know that he's drawing close to you. New Testament scripture tells us that. And that God wants you and his people to actually walk in victory. And he shot that arrow as a sign that God was with them and he was going to help them walk out life in victory. But then he said, hey, take the other arrows and strike them against the ground. The other arrows. 
I think Elisha was trying to communicate to the king, hey, don't just come to the Lord this one time out of desperation when things aren't good, but make sure you continue to come to the Lord. Don't come to him just in crisis, but build relationship and come to him always, always. And so he said to strike the ground with these other arrows. And so the king said, okay, and he took them and struck the ground three times. I think as we, because we read the story and we can understand what's coming from this after this, striking the ground three times we see was definitely not enough. The king thought three times, surely I'm good. Strike the ground three times. That's all I need. It's all we need. We'll just do this thing and be on our way. That goes to show us that as the king did, we can also become weary in doing good. And Elisha got upset. He was angry. And he's like, look, you should have struck the ground five or six times. And then you would have completely and totally destroyed your enemy. This goes to show us continuing to do good, not growing weary in doing good, leads to complete and total victory. And that's what I want to take the next few minutes on. And I want to just draw some light around six arrows of doing good. I'm going to just take this story and six arrows of doing good. And I want to talk about those with you today. Things that we not just do once, but things we can find ourselves doing throughout our day and throughout our week and our life. The first arrow of doing good, the arrow of prayer. The arrow of prayer. The word pray, prayer, prayed, praying appears in the Bible over five hundred times. I think we could say that's pretty important. And I just want to run through a few verses that are that pertain to prayer. One of the most famous ones, Second Chronicles seven, verses fourteen and fifteen. It says, if my people, God says, who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. God says, my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Isaiah 65, 1 says, the Lord says, I was ready to respond. But no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. And then in Jeremiah 29, following some, a very famous verse of where the Lord says, I have plans for you. He goes on to say, hey, in those days when you're in captivity, when things aren't good, he says, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He says, I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. And then in the New Testament, Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, concluding the whole spiritual armor message. He goes on, he says, hey, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion 
stay alert, and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. May we take this to heart that we are called to do good with this arrow of prayer. Prayer pushes the forces of darkness back and it reinforces the supernatural strength of God in our lives. We are called to pray, certainly to draw near to God as a person, but we're also called to pray on behalf of our family, for our church, for our city, for this country, and for this entire world, Christians, believers, followers of Christ, this is part of our calling to do good and to pray. I recently was linked up with a prayer campaign, if you will, for literally hundreds and thousands of Christians across this country have created this prayer campaign called Unite 714. It's based out of 2 Chronicles 714. And they send out this weekly prayer. I'm a little late to the game with this one, but I, I was able to connect with them this last week. And um, they have a prayer that they had put out for this week. And I just want to take a moment, and I'm going to ask you right where you are, if you would just bow your heads. I want to pray this prayer together as a church family for this week as we all th join literally hundreds and thousands across this country praying. They they, they kind of time it out to pray at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. just to take this prayer and pray. But we're going to pray right now, kind of in the middle of the morning. Here, just join with me in prayer. I'm just going to pray this. It says, Oh God, we pray today. We humbly call upon your name, asking you for supernatural peace and strength. The Apostle Paul there speaks about spiritual prayer, the power of prayer. And as we pray today, we are fully engaged and armed for battle against this virus, this COVID-19 specifically. Your word says that when we pray according to your will, our prayers are mighty and powerful. You are the rock, you are the shield, and you are our fortress. Lord, protect our families, our churches, our cities, and, our na and the nations from the effects of this virus. We ask you to put fresh words of faith comfort, healing, and salvation in the mouths of your people around the world. Lord, give pastors and their congregations the words they need to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. We pray, O oh God, that through this prayer of faith today that fear and worry will lose its grip over our world. We declare, Lord, you be our shield. Lord, shield our doctors, our nurses, our first responders, and all the other vulnerable people, Lord, who, who are working in the midst of this tragedy right now. Oh God, we pray and ask that you would shield the world from panic and despair as your church boldly proclaims the good news of Jesus. Oh God, may we find comfort. May we find peace in our souls today, moving ahead as we call on your great name. We humbly pray and ask all of these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Church, prayer moves things. Let's go to the Lord. Let's keep prayer as something that we continue to do good. We're called for that. Another, another arrow of doing good is the arrow of praise. The arrow of praise the word praise appears over 240 times in the Bible. 
In the Hebrew, there are seven specific words for praise that mean to celebrate, to raise hands in desire of God, to bow down, to make loud music, to shout, to lift hands in surrender, and to sing. And in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word praise means to magnify, to declare great, to proclaim honor and glory. And obviously, the one we're called to praise and to magnify is God himself, and that's something you and I can do. Listen to these words in uh, the Old Testament, the, the prophet Habakkuk, if you will. Listen to what he, had to what he had to say. He said, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, there are no grapes on the vines, and even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. You know, the thing about praise that you will see kind of common throughout, especially throughout the Old Testament, is that praise brings confusion to the enemy. And it actually opens up the heavens over our life on our behalf. You know, because to the enemy, it doesn't make sense to praise God in the midst of a pandemic. In the midst of what we're in right now, to the enemy, it makes no sense to praise God, which is why when God's people decide to magnify and make great the name of God in the midst of times of darkness and uncertainty, it brings confusion to the enemy and it causes him to flee. And so in, the, in our homes and in our lives, again, this is not something you got to spend eight hours a day doing. This is just something you can find yourself needing to do at any moment throughout your day, especially if you feel the weight and the burden and the heaviness and the oppression of life kind of coming in and knocking on your door and weighing you down. That's the time to open your mouth and just take about 30 seconds and have your own little private praise break in that moment. Just begin to talk to the Lord and magnify his name. Tell him, Jesus. Jesus, you have the name that is above every name. You're above this problem in our country. You're above this problem in our world. And I just declare to make your name great right now out of my mouth, from my heart, in my home. You reign in this place. You're supreme. You are all sovereign. You are everywhere. You are all knowing. You are all powerful. I give you glory and I give you praise even in the midst of where we are. Praise breaks things loose. Another arrow of doing good, the arrow of prophecy. We don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to have a theological degree to prophesy. You just need to have an open heart to God to allow the Holy Spirit to flow in your life. In fact, here's what Paul tells us prophecy does in 1 Corinthians 14. He says it strengthens, it encourages and it brings comfort. Here's what Paul taught his protege Timothy in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 18, out of the Passion. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life. And they are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry, in keeping with the prophecies that were spoken over you. 
So with this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith with a clean conscience. For there are many who reject these virtues and are now destitute of the true faith. Did you catch that? There are many who reject doing this. And as a result, they're now destitute of the true faith. You know, prophecy in simple definition is declaring the divine purpose of God over your life. Declaring the divine purpose of God over your life. You need to remember all the things that God has spoken to you. And you've probably heard me say this many different times at different seasons. Pull out your journals. Pull out those notes where you have written things down where God spoke to you personally or where someone else spoke a prophetic encouraging word to you. Pull those words out. Now is the time to remind yourself of the prophecies that have been spoken over your life and then go back and then begin to read those and, and declare those over your own life. Paul told Timothy, these prophecies were spoken over your life and they are now in the process of fulfillment. And those who practice this will not be destitute in faith, but they will prosper, they will succeed, they will overcome, they will walk in victory. Because, folks, the bottom line is the enemy doesn't want God's people to walk in total victory in their life, which is why we cannot grow weary in doing this good of declaring the divine purpose of God over our life. Number four. And talking about arrows of doing good. The arrow of the richness of the word of God. The arrow of the richness of the word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, Hey, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Richly. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. And so the Word became human and made His home among us. Let the word of Christ, the word is Christ. Let the word of Christ, Christ dwell inside you richly. It has great value, it has great treasure. It has so much insight, it has so much power, the word of God does. In fact, the word quiets the outside voices and amplifies the still small voice of God. You know, right now, more than any other time, we need to make sure that we are diligent to open our face to the Word of God. We need to, we need to make sure our eyes are in God's Word. Somehow, some way, we need to find a rhythm, establish a pattern of getting in the Word of God. I, I, I have my own little pattern that I have, my own little way of doing it. And, it, and I just encourage you to find something that works for you. I've been, 
as a pastor, I've been saying this for years. Find what works for you, the, where you can find yourself getting in the Word of God on a consistent and daily basis so that the Word of God can work in your life and build your faith. <clears throat> One of the things I found helpful is, all right, on my, on my smartphone is the Bible app, version. They've got a new feature out called uh, Open Story right on the home screen. And you tap that and it opens up and it has the scripture for the day. It has a, a video, someone talking for about two minutes. And then uh, there's a devotional that you can read and it's followed up by a prayer. You may want something different that might not work for you. I like it, and then I use some other plans that they also provide and other things that I look at. But I, I can't stress enough, you've got to feed yourself on the Word of God. If you expect to be strong, if you expect to have the Word of the wisdom of God, the ways of God, and the will of God working in your life, and to discern that, it comes by the establishment of the foundation of God's word working in your life. So church, I just encourage you, do what you can, do what you have to do, because right now we need to make sure that the loudest voice we're paying attention to is the voice of God. There are so many voices out there. I mean, you, you, especially if you have cable, you have a hundred channels or more or whatever, and there's so many news ne networks. And these days, everybody's a specialist, everybody's an expert, and everybody thinks they've got the, the angle on all of it. But really, our wisdom is limited. God knows, and we need to go to Him and let His voice be the loudest. A scripture I want to read to you that more of a kind of a prophetic and as just a foundational reminder, the Lord put, dropped this in my mind uh, just this week and felt like I needed to just read it and to whomever it ministers to. I, I felt strongly that there was particularly a young person out there that, that was struggling with kind of deciphering and discerning what the future holds. And you, you were kind of struggling as to, you know, what, what, where does this leave me? What, 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 what's my future going to look like now after having to go through this time in my life? And, and it applies to others, but I, I felt strongly that was the case. And it's Proverbs 3 out of the Passion Translation. Scripture says, trust in the Lord completely. Do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on the Lord to guide you. He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do. And he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and your spirit long for. Glorify God with your wealth, honoring him with your very best, and with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. May you be blessed by that word. And number five, the arrow of doing good. The arrow of right relationships. The arrow of right relationships. I want to turn your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I know it may kind of sound weird to talk about relationships particularly, 
when the only main relationships we have are those that we live with. And if you live by yourself, you have yourself and your wall and the Lord to talk to. And But relationships are something we were born for. We were created for relationship. In fact, God said it's not good for man to be alone. God wants us to be able to connect. And, and Paul to Timothy in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, he says, Timothy, you've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Relationships, right relationships. Paul goes, he expresses here, there's some layers to relationships that we need to be in a position to receive spiritual support and strength from God's word from our pastors and other leaders. We also need to be in a position to be able to provide spiritual support and strength to other people. So we're always going to find ourselves needing to be receiving and needing to also be giving unto others. And so right now, don't let distance destroy the divine desire for right relationships, especially right now. And listen, I want to encourage you as well. Don't seek to just get filled up on your own for just you and to have what you need spiritually for your own sakes. The Bible challenges us and calls us to be vessels of honor so that we can be a support to other people. We need to interact and we need to engage with others virtually. It's kind of the best way we're having to do it right now. But I want to I encourage you, hey, push past the boredom that may try to settle in your life and reach out to somebody else. I know you may be in a place where you think, man, I need somebody to be calling me, checking on me, Zooming me, FaceTiming me, whatever it might be. But I also want to encourage you, and you may need that. But there, think about it. There are also other people who need that too. And so we are called to not only receive but we're also called to give. If we live only receiving, pretty soon we'll be having to live with a closed hand because we can't hold anymore and we won't be able to give to anybody else. God calls us to live to receive from right relationships, but also to be able to give in support in those right relationships. So I just want to encourage you, church, do what you can to not only receive, but also do what you can. Push past a little bit of yourself and think about some people that you need to call on, you need to check in on, you need to text them, you need to FaceTime them whatever it might be, do something that would cause you to be a spiritual support to other people. And I just want to take a moment to, to just really say how proud I am of, of all of our staff, of all of our lay elders and deacons and other volunteers who, who are working and serving and doing their very best every single week. We got folks making phone calls and emails and texting all of our different members in our church to check on one another and to pray with one another and to see if there are any needs that you may have. But we're also doing that to set an example that you don't have to be prodded in order to check on somebody. But I am proud of all of our different folks, people who are showing up to, to do this service online. There's people working behind the 
scenes that if they didn't do what they did and they didn't offer the gift they had, man, it would be very challenging and very difficult to do what we're doing. And I just have such a big thank you for every single one of you who are serving as you are serving unto the Lord to serve the body of Christ and helping to get the word of God out there to others who may not have a chance to hear it. So I just want to say how proud I am of every single one of our folks who are doing such a fantastic job right now. I love you and I appreciate every single one. Lastly, we've talked about arrows of doing good, the arrow of prayer, the arrow of praise, the arrow of, the, of prophecy, the arrow of the richness of God's word, the arrow of right relationships. And lastly, it's the arrow of repeat. The arrow of repeat. Elisha told the king, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have complete and total victory over your enemy. Here's the thing, guys. We cannot grow weary in doing this good because we just don't know which prayer, which praise, which prophecy, which scripture, which text, which phone call, which one of these would be the next answer to prayer, would be the next breakthrough that maybe we need or someone else needs. We just don't know, which is why we have to take this to heart, this biblical principle of not growing weary in well-doing. When we find ourselves getting tired, We've got, to go to the, we've got to go to the Lord. We've got to pray one more time. We've got to say, hey, you know, I'm going to praise God one more time. I'm going to prophesy God's word over my life one more time. I'm going to get into the scripture one more time. I'm going to check in on somebody one more time. You just don't know that one more time, that five or that six time could be the breakthrough that you or someone else needs in their life. But had we stopped at three, we wouldn't have made it. That's why Paul, and that's why the Bible is full of, of encouragement to hey, say, hey, our strength, our real spiritual strength to carry on and to do good comes from the Lord himself. Those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and they won't grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Whatever we got to do, folks, let's keep doing good, not growing weary in this time. We've got to carry on. We've got to keep at it. We got to keep doing what God calls us to do because it means breakthrough and it means victory in our life and other people's lives. Because God says right here in Galatians, you in due season, the next one perhaps, around the corner perhaps, the next day perhaps, you'll reap if you don't lose heart. Let me pray for you this morning. Oh, gracious God, you love us so much. You care for us. You want us to walk in victory. And we know in a time like this, when we're quarantined and isolated and idle in a way, the enemy 
and play tricks on our mind. But I pray today for every single one listening and watching right now that you would infuse a special, fresh strength as we call on your name and we wait on you, God, renew our strength so that we can soar, so that we can run, so that we can walk and not grow weary in doing what is good. We'll pray, we'll praise, we'll prophesy, we'll get in your word, we'll check on others, we'll do what we gotta do because you call us and you want us to reap the harvest in that due season if we don't lose heart. So anyone who today may feel like they're losing heart, the Lord speaks to you today. The Lord is drawn near to you today. Open your life to him today and ask him to fill you with himself, to give you what he has for you so that you can be everything he created you to be. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.